So Money, episode 64, John Lee Dumas. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me, whether it's the beginning of your day, middle, end, lunch break, driving home from work. I so appreciate you joining me and making this show a part of your daily experience. I hope that it has been as uplifting and inspiring for you as it has been for me. Today's guest is John Lee Dumas a man who has, for me, been an incredible inspiration. He has motivated millions to act on their entrepreneurial dreams, to start their businesses, to start their podcasts. He is the founder and host of Entrepreneur on Fire. It is an award-winning and uber-successful podcast where he interviews incredibly talented entrepreneurs seven days a week, from Barbara Corcoran to James Altucher, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, John started his career in the U.S. Army, where he served for seven years, three in active duty, and four in the Army Reserves, all before becoming a civilian at age 26. He then dabbled in a variety of professions. He worked in corporate finance, tech startup, he worked in real estate, not to mention a semester-long stint in law school. But, you know, nothing felt right until he discovered podcasts first as an avid listener and now as the creator of his own podcast. He has also created Podcasters Paradise, which is an online community filled with passionate podcasters. Uh, It's got video tutorials and so much more that help people to create, grow, and monetize their podcasts. And I personally am a proud member of this community. Three takeaways from our time with John. How he lost $1,000 in the stock market before turning 10 years old the key influencer who helped him shape his financial philosophy, and why John publishes his monthly income reports and states his earnings and losses to the penny. Talk about getting financially naked. Without further ado, here is John Lee Dumas. John Lee Dumas, welcome to So Money. Hey, John, are you prepared to be so money? (laughs) I am prepared to ignite, so I hope there's no flammable money by me. (laughs) We don't like to burn money around here, but- uh, it's actually illegal. uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the great John Lee Dumas. He is the reason that I have launched this podcast. Now, I do credit a few people for teaching me and inspiring me along the way, but- Mr. Dumas, you are my um, my leader. I am your disciple, John Lee for president. Would you I, say like 80%? I would say over 80%. I'd say like 95%. Nice. I mean, because you really gave me the tools. You know, I should backtrack and say that I was on your podcast when I was launching my own book. And yeah. I was so impressed with your professionalism, the energy, uh, such a polished show coming from, you know, a traditional journalism background. I'm, I really respected that uh, off the bat. And then getting to know you and then knowing your business model and seeing just kind of the inroads that you've made for so many others to find their home in podcast land, uh, really a gift that you've given us. And I was inspired to do a podcast and and looked no further than to you as uh, as a leader and as a mentor. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's awesome when I can see somebody actually take action, especially 
somebody like you, Fire News, who just has an amazing passion and vision and voice to share with the world. And you're still daily, right? I am daily. (laughs) You're so awesome. You are so money and so awesome. Well, I go big or go home. (laughs) And speaking of, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire for you has really catalyzed so much in your professional life. You went from working for the man to starting your own daily podcast, generating millions in sales, inspiring thousands of others to do the same through your workshops, your webinars, your courses. You're leading a movement and it's all happened, I said, in a relatively short period of time, in just a few years. So what is next for you, John? I'm curious, when you look back on 2015, what do you want it to signify? I want 2015 to signify the year that Entrepreneur on Fire went even bigger in the free value that we give. You know, for me, it started with the podcast, giving free, valuable, consistent content seven days a week. And now 2015, I want to go bigger in that realm. And that's what we're doing with freepodcastcourse.com, which is completely free for people to create, grow, and monetize their own podcast. We do the same thing with the webinarcourse.com. And I just want to keep doing that, Farnoosh. For me, we have a great revenue generating machine right now. And that's awesome. That's in place. But now how can I impact more people? And how can I impact more voices like yours to get out there and have an incredible ripple effect? Because you, Farnoosh, are reaching people through your podcast that I never, ever would have reached. But now that ripple effect is just going out there. And you're inspiring inspiring people to do amazing things. And that three degrees of separation, I love. And it's growing every day. So how can I do that? And to see that we've now had over 7,000 people go through free podcast course. And that number's skyrocketing every day. It's just, it's what I live for now, what I love, and I want to keep that pedal to the metal. So inspiring. It's uh, similar to what many other entrepreneurs on this podcast have told me, that they are dedicated to being not just go-getters in life, but go-givers, because mm. that, uh, that has uh, reciprocity like nothing else. All right, John, financial philosophy. What is your guiding money principle? You talked about this robust revenue stream that you've got. We're going to get into it a little bit, but I would love to hear just <laughs> off the bat, you know, what, 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 what is your guiding financial principle, philosophy in life? Now, I will say this. Uh, I am nowhere near the level of you as far as when it comes to just this genius financial mind, but I usually do surprise some people when it comes to my financial know-how because a lot of people don't know that I did spend a number of years in corporate finance, and I've actually always been really into finances and investing, et cetera. And I'm a a straight disciple of Jack Bogle. He's been somebody I've read his books. I've been obsessed with his philosophy. I love what he's brought to the table with Vanguard. And I am massive when it comes to dollar cost averaging into index funds. And I know you've had Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. on the show and his book, Money, I consumed honestly in three days. And that's a massive book. But to me, it was like candy because I just love (laughs) that stuff. And what I loved most about it was how it just confirmed the power of dollar cost averaging and index funds and diversifying and just being consistent with the compound interest that's just growing off of your investments. And so to me, that's my philosophy, dollar cost averaging into index funds. I love how it's conservative while at the same time it gives great room for growth. And that's what I call my core, Farnoosh. Mm -hmm. That's like 80% of my money. 
I do love the the explore side of it, which is my 20%. And I have a couple flyers out there, like with the Facebook, the Apple, um, well, it's the, not Twitter, but I have uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Google are kind of my four flyers where they could in 20 years be at zero, but I think one of them will at least be a 10 or 100x. And I think this is very much akin to your personality, John. I mean, if I, I don't know you that well, but I know kind of your work discipline and your work ethic. And I know that you're a consistent person in your personal life, you know, uh, whether it's you, you say something, you're going to do it and you you execute or you have the daily podcast. You know, I think there are parallels to how you kind of proceed in your personal life and how you proceed in your financial life, which is always nice to see, if, especially when it's good habits. <laughs> Yeah, I love good habits. I'm a big believer in that. And I just see the value of that consistency. And I'm really looking forward to the dividends. It'll reap down the line. Absolutely. All right. Like, take us back to little John Lee Dumas. <laughs> uh, going down memory lane a bit, share with us your most vivid financial memory, the moment in your upbringing that really uh, crystallized how today as an adult, you proceed with your finances. Okay, well, little John Lee Dumas had very chubby cheeks. I will say that for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and one thing that I feel very fortunate about is my parents, and my father specifically, was always incredibly transparent when it came to money and the finances. So he would always be talking about money that he made or lost in the stock market, also money that he made as a lawyer too. So I was always in the know and I understood that. And I think that was huge for me because I started to realize that, okay, I can, I can learn from this. And so when I was very young, my first real money memory is my dad saying, listen, I am going to open up a Fidelity brokerage account under your name within my account. And I'm going to give you $1,000. Now, you can't take that $1,000 out and do anything with it, but you can invest in stocks. Like, I want you to go out, research companies, and actually buy and sell. And, and I was like, wow, like $1,000 at this very young age was like eight or nine years old. I mean, that's, that might as well will be a billion dollars because you can't even fathom buying that many <laughs> baseball cards. Like it just doesn't, it's not possible. So I was just so excited about that. I thought I was like the richest kid in the world, even though I couldn't touch that money for anything besides trading. When I went to work and I pulled open the, never forget, I opened up the newspaper and for whatever reason, my philosophy farnoosh was to find the biggest 52 week spread, like the stocks that were like all the way from $3 to like $50 That's in the smart. course. Of, well, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, again, I was clueless. I was like, let's do the biggest spreads that, are, that they were $3, you know, they went to 52, but they are now somewhere in the bottom 25% of that. So they were like maybe 10 or 16 now. So they'd stabilized from that low point, but they still had recently within the past year been that high. And I bought a few stocks and then the worst thing happened. Uh, they went up. <laughs> so, so I thought I, mm. I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought that I had developed the system. I'm like, why isn't everybody as brilliant as me, this eight year old? And even my father was like, whoa, that's pretty impressive, son. <laughs> but that didn't last. I lost yeah. almost all the money and, and, I, and I learned some great lessons. I have to say your father, first of all, so money, two, <laughs> extremely progressive for a father and I, I suspect the 80s, the 90s, even today, parents have such a hard time um, being transparent with their money, with their kids. I just interviewed Ron Lieber of the New York Times who came out with a great book about unspoiling your kids. And one of his biggest tenets is you have to be transparent. And now as an adult, John, I see where this is really paying off. I mean, you're 
very transparent. You publish monthly revenue reports, which I find tremendously frightening. I mean, I feel like in this culture, I mean, for me, what you do, I, I mean, I, I go through those reports. I'm like, that's like candy to me. But um, how do you find, how do you find that sort of courage really to do that? Because I think we live in a culture, right, where where money is kind of taboo, and some people don't like to reveal how much they earn. It's um, they feel like it's very much a um, in, in a lot of ways identifies who they are. Um, have you gotten any resistance to that? Like our kids from high school, like <laughs> snooping in on like, wow, I didn't know John Lee makes this much. I mean, I don't know. Tell me a little bit about that. Cause I find that so fascinating that you publish your monthly revenue reports. I'm a big believer that with great success comes great responsibility. And I have been very blessed to have achieved great success thus far with Entrepreneur on Fire in a very short period of time. And I do feel a sense of responsibility with that because I can remember so clearly when I was first getting my sea legs as an entrepreneur, so to speak, I stumbled upon who is now my great friend, Pat Flynn. And I saw what he had been doing since around 2008. He had been publishing monthly income reports. And it started back when he was making like five or six K a month. And then at the time that I found him, he was making like 20 or 30 K a month. And I was like, wow, it is such a breath of fresh air that I can see that there are people in this online world that are just delivering value. They're being open, honest, and transparent and making great revenue from that business model. And that inspired me massively and gave me the courage to launch Entrepreneur on Fire. And so when I got to the point where I was generating decent revenue on a monthly basis, I said, I feel a responsibility to share exactly what we're doing that's generating this revenue as a podcaster for other podcasters so that they can emulate our successes. But as you know, Farnoosh, going through those income reports, we also talk about our failures and our mm -hmm. flops and our mistakes, which are really important because number one, we make a ton of those a month. And if you can avoid the same pitfalls that we fell into, then we've also done our job there as well. So emulating the successes, avoiding the pitfalls, that's the whole goal of the income report. And I love doing a couple things that I really feel make it even better. You know, for number one, I bring on my certified um, public accountant, my CPA, and he sits out there and he verifies the report because he has access to all of our accounts. You know, he runs all of our books. And I love that we just right there put a stamp that, you know, here's a certified accountant saying, you know what, this is 100% legit. This is me. And then we even have him go above and beyond and give a tax tip because we can all use tax tips and, and learning from that realm as well. And he's a great entrepreneur who has actually rebranded himself to CPA on fire because people just kept calling him the <laughs> CPA on fire because he was my accountant. So now he's actually rebranded himself to that. So definitely check out CPAonfire.com. Josh is a great guy. And that was to me the responsibility that I I owed to fellow and future podcasters, the people that were starting. I wanted to show them the path of what was working and what wasn't. And it's really been exciting to see the inspiration that's come from that. I always say, imagine if everyone in this world walked around with their income on their t-shirt <laughs> oh, or across the forehead, right? It's like, for some people, it's worse than being naked. Um, yeah, yeah. So thank you for being naked for all of us, John. I'm here, no shirt on, so I might as well take my pants off too. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, you mentioned failure. And yes, your your income reports do um, complete transparency. You mentioned the good with the bad. In your financial history, though, in your you know recent or more uh, more later on, what would you 
characterize as your biggest financial failure? What happened and how did you ultimately uh, thrive? Well, so my biggest financial failure was really tough for me at the time. And I'll go back a little ways, and this may be further back than you want me to go, so let me know, and then I can give you even a more recent one. But when I got an Army ROTC scholarship to go to college, my father said, okay, like you're not paying a cent to go to college, so therefore this money that we saved for you is now yours. You can't touch it till you graduate, but you can invest it. You know, he was still kind of very forward thinking there. And oh, invest I did. And again, the worst thing that could have happened happened. I invested in telecom right when telecom was booming, and it just went through the roof. But then, you know, the flip side happened and I kept doubling down and, and, and doing some things that, you know, weren't smart in hindsight. And I lost much more than I made. And so unfortunately, when I graduated, that uh, nest egg that could have been substantial because of bad decisions was not. And it, was, it really made me value money more. But at the same time, it, it, it definitely made me struggle in a lot of areas that I wouldn't have had to struggle with had I just been smart with that money and not treated it so cavalierly. So lessons were learned, but the, that mistake and that failure definitely hurt. In hindsight, what do you wish you had done with that money? I wish I just invested it very conservatively in index funds and invested into the market by dollar cost averaging and not just plopping it all in at once. So I could have taken advantage of the upswing, but also the downswing by buying more as the market was going down and buying less when the market was going up and dollar cost averaging into those funds. That was my wish. Is there any money left in that account, in your college account? Yeah, there is. Just because I've just used that as kind of my base accounts, I've added everything on top of that mm. since. So it's kind of added from a lot of a salary and hard work, but um, not a lot of the original amount had you know remained at the time. Right. Well, at least you had this experience relatively early on in your life, not like when you were approaching retirement, <laughs> right. uh, which I can't say is true for everybody. I know. Let's flip it. Let's talk about success. Clearly, uber success with uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. What would you say is your most definitively, like your most definitive successful moment, uh, financially speaking? What happened? So I love telling stories and I'm glad that you are having people on your show tell stories as well. I believe going to that moment is so critical because we love stories as humans. And for me, fortunately, uh, the, that story was pretty recent. So it was actually February 22nd of 2015. So, you know, probably within a few weeks of this interview going live and it was a $93,000 day. So it was a massive day for our business. And I can kind of give a little backstory behind that. Uh, just a couple months ago, we launched on that premise of free value, freepodcastcourse.com, and have put over 7,000 people through that course. And it's growing every single day. And I said, you know what? We have over 2,200 now people in Podcasters Paradise, which is our community that's a paid community that you're a part of, Farnoosh, where mm -hmm. we have a Facebook group and we do monthly webinars. We've had like James Altucher, Tim Ferriss, like great, great people on. And there's a ton of value there people have that free option, free podcast course. So I realized that, hey, number one, we've added so much value recently in the podcast's paradise. It's time to increase the price, which we do every so often. So we sent an email out just to people who had been through free podcast course. That's 7,000 people and people who have signed up for past webinars for paradise but haven't bought saying, hey, by the way, we are increasing the price in paradise. And if you, uh, But if you jump in before 9 p.m. tonight, you're going to get a 10-minute call with me 
um, which I don't do one-on-one mentoring anymore. So that was kind of a cool offer. And you're going to get in before the price goes up forever. And we thought that'd probably bring like 20 or 30 sales. And just that day, it brought in 80 sales at over $1,200 per sale. So blew the roof off of our expectations and was a massive income day of, again, right around $93,000. But then what was exciting, this was a four-day promotion. And the next three days, we did 23, 24, and 17 sales, respectively. So overall, in those four days, we did over $176,000 in sales for Podcasters Paradise. Why? Because we offered incredibly free, valuable content, mm-hmm. free podcast course. We had a huge pent up amount of people who were just like, I love this value. John's giving great value for free. I'll join Paradise sometime, maybe not just right now. But then they were like, oh, the price is going up. I might as well lock in this lifetime membership now at the lowest price it's ever going to be offered. Boom. That was the biggest revenue day that we've ever had. And I know this story because I'm on your email list and I got oh, cool. the email that you wrote kind of outlining this step by step. And just to give listeners some more context, John is being a little, um, he's he's being a little modest here with the story because also <laughs> what I love about you, and this is going to transition us into my next question about habits, but I suspect one of your habits that's really helping you achieve greatness is that you act upon your ideas quickly. Even, yeah. if, even if, you know, you don't have it all figured out. And I remember this idea of raising the price and kind of doing this uh, big promo came to you while taking a hike and you sort of, you know, we took time to reflect, but as soon as you got the idea, it was like, you didn't look back. And, um, I love that about you. I think that a lot of us are just scared to get started, but you, you've somehow mastered that, that you've overcome that fear. Speed of implementation, I think is an incredibly important factor that entrepreneurs if they don't have naturally, really have to adopt because Farnoosh, we live in an incredibly fast-moving, ever-changing world. And and if you have speed of implementation, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to fail sometimes, but you're going to learn from those mistakes and failures. And every now and then, you're going to hit a home run and those home runs, they can pay off. Mm-hmm. So then what would you say is your number one habit for keeping your finances in check and building your wealth? I'm a big believer, and this is another phrase that I learned from my father, spend less money than you make. And it sounds so simple, but why do so few Americans do it? I don't know. But spend less money than you make. That's a habit that I've developed. Like I make sure, and I know we can talk about this coming up with um, a great tool that I use for this, um, but I make sure that my revenue far exceeds uh, my monthly expenditures. And I'm very cognizant of tracking that on a day-to-day basis. I don't even check in once a week. Like I'm tracking this on a daily basis. So I can always be tweaking and improving what we're doing to be maximizing money coming in and minimize money going out. Do you have a percentage that you save off the bat? Some people it's it's 10% for others. It's 20%. Do you have a number? My number is the biggest number I can possibly do. You know, that's that's really the, the true answer. I don't have a sit-down percentage just because I'm always looking to increase that and decrease the spending. Mm-hmm. All right, John, almost done here. Let's talk so money, fill in the blanks. I'm going to start <laughs> a sentence. This is kind of, um, I should say, I got inspired because you have these like kind of round-robin, rapid-fire questions that yeah, you ask your guests on your podcast. Round. So it's like, what can I do that's like, also fun and like a light way to end the show. So I come up, I came up with kind of like these mad libs. So finish the sentence. First thing that comes to mind, don't overthink it. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is. 
Um, I would add all of that money to my Fidelity accounts and just kind of smile because I would see that number get bigger, which I enjoy. But then my next plan would be the same day is to start slowly crafting a philanthropy plan. I've already started doing that even without having won the lottery, but with the revenue that I have. But I'm big on going from success to significance. Like I am feel honored that I've gotten to success but now I want to know how I can move that to significance. And that's going to be what I would definitely do with a lottery win. I love that. Success to significance. I'm tweeting that. All right. I'm going to like that tweet. (laughs) My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, probably too much, but it's worth it for me is. Oh, and Kate will back me up here when I say this because she gets frustrated every month. Uh, It's Amazon in general. I just, whenever I need anything, anything, I just buy it immediately on Amazon without even thinking. You know, I could buy the exact same thing for probably half, half as much down the road at Walmart, but forget about it. I am buying it on Amazon. Yeah. And are you a prime member? I mean, yeah, no brainer. I'm going to be the first person that signs up for drone delivery when it happens. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Uh, we have a house cleaner that comes in every two weeks. And at first, Kate was very resistant about that, saying, we're not going to get somebody. I'm like, Kate, your and my time is better spent doing things, serving Fire Nation, our audience. I want to have a, a beautifully clean and immaculate house because I, I just think that way. That's kind of like my little OCD. But I don't want you or me to spend the time doing it. I hear that. And I know your father and your parents taught you a lot about kind of financial independence growing up. They were very transparent. But one thing you wish you had known as a child growing up that you didn't necessarily get the education for, what was it? I definitely heard my father talking about it, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand it until later in life. And that was the power of compound interest. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because... Uh, Pencils of Promise because they're awesome. I had the founder of Pencils of Promise on my show, Adam Braun. He's just an amazing entrepreneur about my age, like in his uh, early to mid thirties. And it's just doing some amazing things. We've already donated $25,000 or pledged, I should say $25,000 to Pencils of Promise this year of 2015 to build a school in Africa, which we're really excited about. That's amazing. Adam is so, so uh, just such a leader, especially it's nice to have leaders that are like in our generation, you know, that there are contemporaries. Oh yeah. Aren't you in New York city? I am. Yeah. So he's right there too. Perfect. And finally, John, I'm so money. I'm John Lee Dumas. I'm so money because. Because I'm swimming in it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's a bold answer. And, hey. we know, and we know to the penny how much you're swimming in because you've got those there income go. reports. So thank you for that. And fortune favors the bold. <laughs> John Lee Dumas, host of Entrepreneur on Fire. A pleasure, a privilege to have you on So Money. Thank you so much. Thanks, Varnish. That's a wrap, guys. If you'd like to learn more about John Lee Dumas and Entrepreneur on Fire, please visit his website, eofire.com. You can also check him out on Twitter at John Lee Dumas. We've got all this information on somoneypodcast.com. There also you can find the transcript from this interview and all previous interviews. And as always, I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, guests at somoneypodcast.com. And there's a good chance I will answer it this weekend or the following weekend. You can also tweet me at Farnoosh and use the hashtag somoney. 
Now, if you love what you're hearing and you want the podcast to continue thriving, please spend a minute or two to leave a review on iTunes. It is a highly powerful way to support the podcast, um, to really avoid it from falling into obscurity. Good reviews get you great placement in the iTunes store, more organic traffic, more organic growth. So if you do this, I thank you in advance. And every Saturday, I in fact choose one new reviewer to receive a free 15-minute money session with me over Skype. So if you're interested in that, leave a review. Let me know by emailing me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And hopefully I will select you to uh, engage with me one-on-one. Thanks again for joining me today. Hope you love the interview with John Lee Dumas. And I hope your day is so money.